Welcome to Busted Pilot, the podcast of broadcasting and cable slash multi-channel news. I'm your host, Mike Malone. I'm here with my special guest star co-host, Tom Umstead. What's up, Tom? How you doing, Mike? I'm Glad doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Welcome to the podcast. We are happy to have you. Um, oh, what's going on in TV? So it's time for the traditional fall TV season. Um, big, big deal for broadcast TV with premieres in the coming days for The Simpsons on Fox and The Rookie on ABC, La Brea on NBC and a million others. Uh, Tom, you're well immersed in the cable side. How big a deal for cable is this time of year? You know, the whole fall season hasn't been a big deal for cable only because cable has been, you know, the cable networks pretty much roll out their shows on a year to year basis. I mean, on a month to month basis and not necessarily focusing on a specific time period. In fact, you know, years ago, a good about a decade ago, they tried to avoid this period because broadcast networks were starting to roll out all their shows and, they, and the cable networks thought that their shows might get. Uh, caught underneath uh, and and wouldn't get the publicity that they would get otherwise if they launched in, in other time periods. I don't think they're afraid of that anymore. And you're starting to see more cable networks roll out shows uh, in October, November, December, uh, right alongside the broadcast networks. Uh, having said that, again, you see a lot more shows launching across uh, every month now, as opposed to just in a certain time period uh, that the broadcast networks launch their shows. I got it. Okay. Anything coming up that you sort of have your eye on that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, there, there are a couple of shows. Obviously, um, you know, October's coming up, so it's kind of the Halloween time period. So I'm looking forward to the final eight episodes of The Walking Dead. I kind of uh, fell off a little bit uh, over the years. I was I was a big fan, fell off uh, just a couple of seasons, but I'm looking forward to coming back to see how AMC finishes what was uh, what has been uh, basically one of the biggest cable shows ever, and certainly in television history, one of the biggest shows as well. Okay. Obviously, the franchise will continue on with you know they already have three shows that are out there, a couple of more coming down the line. So the Walking Dead franchise will continue even beyond the original show. And so all of those fans who are fans of, again, of Walking Dead, uh, there'll be plenty of other shows to devour. Okay. <laughs> How many seasons for the, uh, the the primary show? I think we're, we're in the 11th season, and but they were, it was broken up into three different parts. So this okay. is the third and final part. There are two other eight parts that that's launched as early as last year. But now we're finalizing it. And again, hopefully uh, they will it, it will continue on in other versions. Okay. All right. So obviously a much different TV landscape than when that launched, but still a, a ton of viewership, a ton of interest in, in that show, you think? Yeah, the show has continued to do well. Obviously, it's not not, not putting up the, the uh, record-breaking numbers that it did when it first launched, but certainly there is a fan base that continues to watch the show and, again, has continued to watch the other shows. I believe uh, the the second series that came out, Fear of the Walking Dead, is already in its seventh season or is heading into its seventh season. Oh, so wow. certainly there has been some follow-up and and success with some of the, the spinoffs. Uh, they just launched a, a new series over the last um, month or so, which seems to be doing well. And I think The Walking Dead, and, and again, you've got two other shows that have some of the stars from the originals coming back. So I think you're going to see a lot more of these type of shows, and you're going to see audiences continue to drive toward the uh, the franchise. Okay, interesting. 
well, another premiere that that caught my eye, um, Harlem Globetrotters coming back to television. Um, so we've got Hearst Media Production Group behind Harlem Globetrotters Play It Forward. And we've got Craig Robinson as the host. That starts October 1 and is part of NBC's The More You Know block. Were you a Globetrotters fan growing up? I, I, and I'm showing my age. Yes, I was a big Globetrotters fan watching the uh, the Cartoon Network, uh, Cartoon when it was on the uh, networks. And also uh, I remember even the Scooby-Doo show, the Holland Globetrotters showed up. And and I, I'm really uh, talking about how old I am. The Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> on Gilligan's Island. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I remember that. And actually oh, I remember that watching too. that. <laughs> so, so if I remember correctly, the Globetrotters are flying somewhere emergency landing they come down on governor's i'm uh, sorry governor's uh <laughs> island not here in, in new york um and, and they end up playing against the castaways in, in a game right yeah yeah it's uh, it sounds absurd now and and i probably wouldn't even think about watching it but then it was great <laughs> I, oh, absolutely. I watching and i was a big gilligan's island fan too so again showing my age but uh but i i think the harlem gold trotters coming back allows that group to, to showcase itself among a new generation of viewers who, who may not know who they are. And yeah. the way the show is set up, and again, I haven't seen it yet, but it sounds like it's going to not only include, obviously, what the Harlem Globetrotters do on the court, but also talk about their successes off the court and talk about you know issues like space travel, uh, financial responsibility, literacy, female mm -hmm. empowerment. So it sounds like it's going to be a combination of different things. So people will not only be entertained, but also learn something. Yeah, there. a little more than basketball. Okay. Did you ever get a chance to see them live? No, every time uh, they and you're familiar with the Westchester County Center, they used to come up every year around February. And I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I never did. And now I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully they'll come back around one a couple more times so I can finally actually see them. Well, the one time I saw them was at that Westchester County Center. I, <laughs> I took my Cub Scout troop uh, or den, whatever it was, about 10 years or eight years ago. And we had a great time. It was really a lot of fun. Good, good. Um, but yeah, I mean, something that was that they were household names when we were kids, you know, Metal Arc Lemon and and the rest. Uh, so yeah, it'd be great if they could sort of get entrenched with with the kids of today. Uh, so uh, uh, play it forward starts October one. Um, so what are you watching for fun these days, Tom? Oh, it's funny. I was watching um, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, I guess the launch on Disney Plus. My mom is a big fan, and she okay. lives with me, so I she wanted to see it, and I had to actually hook up her computer because she turned to Channel Seven and it wasn't there. And it I said, was no, not there. No yeah. longer, it's no longer on Channel Seven. It's on Disney Plus. So I hooked up the computer, and she watched it, and I thought it was a, a good presentation. I didn't know how. Disney Plus, if they were going to change anything with regards to the format or how it was shown, but with the exception of not having commercials, which was great. Um, yeah. I, I, it, it was basically the same show that's been running for the past 31 years. Uh, Tyra Banks and Alfonso Ribeiro did a great job, as usual, as hosting it. So we'll see how the momentum continues or the momentum builds for it as you know more people get eliminated, more dancers come up. And uh, uh, so my mom was happy, so that's all that mattered. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. So it feels like the show that... that 
we knew yeah. for, for decades. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So yeah, so that that's what I'm watching. Um, the other thing, a couple of shows that I'm looking forward to watch again going into uh, October. The Showtime has a new show uh, that I'm really interested in, which is Let the Right One In. Okay. Which premieres in October, and obviously it's uh, it's, it's a vampire theme movie, a, a vampire theme series, but it's taken from a different aspect. It's a father whose daughter is a vampire, and she's perpetually going to be 12 years old pretty much for the rest of her, her life, and he has to continue to oh. feed her somehow. So it's it's about what somebody will do for their family and how far they would go for their family so it's it's yes it's it has vampire elements in it but certainly it's more of a family what what happens in the family situation that might be an interesting drama setup huh. and the uh the, the the detective who is looking at and and investigating the murders that have been happening because of this vampire is uh anika noni rose who i had the opportunity of interviewing and we'll have a podcast with next week uh she plays the the detective and so it's it's again more not not so much a, a heavy vampire but as a storyline that i think might be interesting for folks who might get a little squeamish yeah. they, when we talk about vampires. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. Interesting. Sort of like how The Sopranos is not so much a, a mafia story as it is a family story. Exactly. Exactly. How about yourself? What, uh, what, what have you been watching? Well, I, I watched for the first time, speaking of Disney+, Plus, I watched The Mighty Ducks. Um, we're, our family has been watching a lot of Gilmore Girls. Uh, I guess, you know, my daughter is 14 and 14-year-old and girls just consume Gilmore, Gilmore Girls like crazy. So she got us on board. Been watching a lot of that. So Lauren Graham from the Gilmore Girls is the star of Mighty Ducks, plays a coach on uh, of a team of uh, kind of a misfit hockey youth team. Uh, so in the new season, uh, Josh, I hope I say it right, Josh, Dumal, um, he joins the show as a guy who he's like a, I think an NHL alumnus who runs a hardcore hockey camp, and uh, and the Mighty Ducks uh, were invited to the camp erroneously, and he takes a look at them and says, "You guys are not not what I'm looking for here." And they they persist. They say, "No, we're staying." So uh, that's the Mighty Ducks. A new season starting up soon, but I've been enjoying some old episodes of that. And it being September, Jeopardy, thank God, is back. Uh, Jeopardy is a pretty big deal in, in the Malone household that I've been passing the time on, on reruns 7 p.m. all summer. So uh, super happy to have that back. And it's also big in the Umstead family as well. Okay. So I'm okay. happy as well as as well as you. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Um, so I, I was I, I, in a a interview with Maya Bialik the other day for her show Call Me Cat, and uh, asked her about balancing the two shows, and she said she brought up the the joy of getting to wear sneakers on the set of Call Me Cat, which she said she does not get to do on Jeopardy. So uh, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yeah. Um, and one uh, one thing about Call Me Cat, I don't think this is uh, a uh, major spoiler, but the season premiere coming up has Ken Jennings uh, in it in the pilot or the, the premiere. So uh, the partners on Jeopardy get to reunite on Call Me Cat. That's a bit of fun. Uh, and I want to mention a play that I saw because it does have. Roots in television. I had written about this about a month ago, but 
Mr. Burns, a post-electric play. It is a, it's inspired by the Simpsons. And we had seen Romeo and Juliet up in Hudson Valley, uh, an outdoor production. And the playbill mentioned this Mr. Burns play. So we saw that last week. And basically the, the premise is there's a nuclear meltdown. So people are just kind of living in these, these pretty rough camps and, you know, wary of other groups coming and stealing their water and their batteries and whatever else. So this group is sitting around a campfire and they get talking about old Simpsons episodes and they, they just reconstruct this, this season five episode where the Simpsons kind of goofed on Cape fear. And, uh, and that's the first act. The second act is years later and they're a basically a theater touring group putting on Simpsons episodes and skits for audiences. And uh, it's still this sort of uh, post-apocalyptic world. And uh, third act gets a little strange, but the play is basically just look at stories and how people pass stories along and how stories kind of bring us together over time. So definitely a, a weird play, but I, I found it interesting. And uh, when I did the story, I spoke with the director, Davis McCallum. He said, if you're a Simpsons fan, there's a lot to love in this, but if you don't, but you don't have to know anything about the Simpsons to appreciate the play. So that is Mr. Burns post electric play. Are you surprised that the Simpsons have, has had so much, so great a staying power, so long a uh, a run, not only on television, but again, outside of, uh, of the show itself? I, I don't think so. I mean, if, if you stick around for 35 seasons or whatever the heck it is, you, you're going to make, you're going to make a mark. You're going to influence a bunch of other creative types. And, uh, you know, maybe the Simpsons isn't what it used to be in terms of social commentary, or maybe it is. I, I don't know. But uh, I, I can't say I'm surprised because they've just been doing it for so long and have always offered up a very, very sharp show. So uh, it, it makes sense that others will uh, will borrow from the Simpsons and, and inspire their own projects based on them. So, uh yeah, that, that was a that was a fun one, and uh, we, we went back and watched the the Simpsons episode on Disney Plus, uh, the Cape Fear one from season five. That was a lot of fun. Uh, all right, and uh, Kent and I will often talk about what we're reading, and Kent will mention a book that I've never heard of. But uh, anything you're reading these days? Uh, actually, I'm still getting through. Um... Jennifer Lewis's memoir, Walking in My Joy, the uh, blackish actress put out a uh, book in uh, late August and talks about her. It's a really a collection of essays and poems and other things about her life. And she's very blunt about what she's gone through over the years, her own personal demons that she's had, as well as her experiences in the entertainment industry. Um, I had a chance to interview her uh, prior to the release of the book, and she said she was going to be, you know, she wasn't going to sugarcoat anything, and she surely doesn't in this particular book. So oh. um, I, I'm about, about one-third through it, but it's fascinating, again, what she's gone through and how she's been able to jump over a lot of the hurdles that she's had to deal with become the star that she is and and certainly that have the career that she's had so that's uh, the one i'm working on now okay interesting uh well speaking of personal demons i just finished uh the david milch memoir life's work uh milch of course created nypd blue and deadwood and uh worked on hill street blues coming up 
Uh, he's got a pretty crazy story. He drank a lot. He did a lot of heroin. He battled addiction for the better part of his professional career. And uh, perhaps his biggest vice was the racetrack where he, he mentioned that there were multiple days when he, I think, I know he bet, I think he lost a million bucks. At wow. the, yes. Yes. His, his losings at one point total something like 30 million bucks or so. And his business manager said to him, Hey man, you you're on top of your game in TV, but you are broke and you got to change your ways. So, uh, uh, that's called life's work. And uh, Milch has dementia now and lives in an assisted living facility. Uh, but I believe he dictated the book to an assistant and was able to come up with uh, a pretty, pretty intriguing read. And it's it's less than 300 pages. It's, it's not a, a huge book. So uh, life's work by David Milch. Um, Fascinating. Uh, what what you see behind the scenes, you, you hear about these guys, but you never know what's going on until you read something like that. So it's very fascinating that uh, he was able to to get that out and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was a big fan of NYPD Blue back in the day. I actually, I lived on the block in, in East Village where it was shot. So so when it premiered, we had to watch. I mean, that was kind of our, our home show. We used to steal snacks from craft services because we were hungry and broke. Uh, but he dedicates a lot of the book NYPD Blue, and he's got some really interesting, fun stories. Talks about how uh, Sipowitz, Detective Sipowitz, the Dennis Franz character, was inspired by Milch's own father, who was not a nice man. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that made for an interesting read. All right, and then we like to have a look at what is coming up on TV. Um September, sorry, yes, September. September 26th, we've got Sherman's Showcase on IFC. It is season two of that way offbeat sketch show from Bashir Salahuddin and Diallo Riddle. Um, and then uh, September 27th, we got the Rookie Feds on ABC. That is Nisi Nash as the oldest rookie in the FBI Academy uh, spinoff of The Rookie. Uh, September 28, we got The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City on Bravo. And then the aforementioned Call Me Cat on Fox uh, starts September 29. Uh, uh, Maya Bialik manages a cat-friendly cafe in Louisville. Some call it Louisville, but uh, <laughs> made a point in their, their press call that it is pronounced Louisville, and I will try to pronounce it as such. Uh, so we're cat-friendly cafes. We're going some changes in the new season. Uh, as I mentioned, look for Ken Jennings in that. Uh, anything else going on with you, my friend? Um, there's a show. Uh, ESPN has a documentary on, I believe it's September 27th, that chronicles the Yankees-Dodgers rivalry in the 1970s. It's called Yankees-Dodgers and Uncivil War. Oh. Uh, usually, you know, there's a whole bunch of sports documentaries, but I grew up in that era. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that again. It's about how the Yankees and the Dodgers sort of brought uh, New York through a number of different uh, things. If you remember back then, there was, you know, we had budget problems, we had a blackout, and yet the uh, Yankees-Dodgers rivalry met both in 1977 and 1978 World Series sort of revitalized the city and also 
Yeah, some bad bad blood between the two of the teams. So yeah. looking forward to seeing that on uh, September 27th on ESPN. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, was that – did Reggie hit the three home runs? In That's the one where Reggie hit three home runs. That was the 77 series. And the Yankees came back in 78. That was the uh, Bucky, infamous Bucky Dent home run against the Red Sox that put him into the playoffs. And they eventually got to the uh, World Series against the Dodgers again and beat him again. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so they beat him two years in a row. And was one of those series also the birth of, ladies and gentlemen, the Bronx is burning? I probably was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. It was hard to so The Yankees were in the series 76, 77, 78. So that whole period is probably the birth of all of that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of things coming up, so uh, it's going to be very very uh, long watching of, of a lot of TV shows over the next couple of months. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, oh, that that Yankees Dodgers one sounds great. I will look for that. Um, well, hey Tom, a huge thank you for uh, filling in here and uh, great catching up, my friend. Pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, allowing me to do so, and uh, you know, best of luck with the with the podcast going forward. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you listeners for listening until next time.